everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today for the JCM Prepare the Way podcast. My name is Carol Urbis. And I'm Mallory Sunderhuse. And we are coming to you out of beautiful Colorado again. And we are part of the ministry, Jeremiah's Call Ministries, or JCM for short. And we are doing this podcast to bring different generational perspectives together as it relates to the Bible and the culture. So now, Mallory, before we start today's topic, you just went into my kitchen and grabbed a cup of coffee from my little coffee maker. So what are you drinking over there? Yeah, I really like to help myself. Um, <laughs> I am a big coffee drinker. I, I'm i just drinking black coffee. That's a good question. What is your coffee order when you go out to coffee? Are you a coffee drinker, Carol? Oh, I'm a coffee drinker and I'm a tea drinker, but my favorite coffee is McDonald's large coffee with three creams. Mm. <laughs> I know. It's not everybody's favorite. but I also, I just gave her a little look too, because you guys have to know my husband actually roasts coffee. He has his own little shed and he has a roaster and he roasts his own coffee. So we've become pretty snobby when it comes to coffee. So hey, don't knock it till you try it, honey. No, I've definitely tried it. <laughs> Road trip stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. not the worst. I'll say that. It's not the worst, but it's not my favorite. Can we buy your husband's coffee? Yeah, he's <laughs> he's still figuring it out. So he's giving it to friends and family right now. I ah. think he just sold his first bag like last week, but um it only it takes like 15 minutes per bag, but yeah. I must not be a friend or family because I don't have any bags of coffee from you guys yet. <laughs> Actually, I offered you some and oh, you did. I did. <laughs> That was in the middle of babies and everything else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'll let you kick yeah. off today. Yeah. So, you guys, we are covering the topic of prayer today, rediscovering its purpose and its power. This is such a near and dear topic to me. I cannot tell you guys how prayer has just changed my relationship with the Lord and makes me excited about Jesus. And I'm just so grateful for it. So this is a really sweet one um, and just a fun one today. And so believe it or not, we cannot cover everything pertaining to prayer in just one episode, but we're going to try to give it a really good start. But our hope is that God will change your thinking on how you, one, perceive prayer if you if you don't have it as a regular practice or just encourage you really to keep pressing on if it's already a practice of yours. And so let's just start off by saying that we believe that, you know, most Christians, you would say most Christians want to pray. In fact, many are convicted or perhaps frustrated by their prayerlessness. And you might pray for a while and then stop because it's hard to maintain a prayer life. And you know, really you're just exercising a different spiritual muscle and kind of like when you go to the gym, once you stop, it's pretty hard to restart. And another reason why it can be hard for people is because most people don't really understand the purpose of prayer. And until we really understand that purpose, most of us are probably just praying in vain. And so it's important to understand all, it's important that we all understand this and it's important that we understand two things in particular one, that God wants us to pray, and two, that he wants us to understand why we pray. Yeah, I think you hit on something, Mallory, when you were speaking there for a second that just I uh, really resonated with where prayer really deepened and developed your relationship with the Lord. And I think that is something that if Christians could realize that that's what happens, 
everybody would be praying all the time, every day, because that really is what it does. It takes us deep into that fullness with the Lord. And you know, the disciples said something very interesting to Jesus. And I know you all are about to know what I'm about to say, but they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. You know, and I like to picture that whole scene a little bit. And even if I, you know, embellish a little in my own mind, but I imagine they had been observing him head out in the wee hours of the morning for hours to go and talk to his father. And there had to be something special about this time with the father, because think about it, when they would go out for the day, all those miraculous things were taking place, healings and casting out demons and, and teachings and so much more. I suspect that perhaps you just wonder that they began to tie the events of the day to the start of the day, that time of prayer. Notice they didn't ask, oh, Lord, teach us how to heal someone or Lord, teach us how to do a miracle. No, they asked him one simple thing, teach us how to pray. You know, and my prayer times in the morning, I've told people this before too. When I'm done and I head out for my day, my day rolls out, I find the most unexpected, myself in the most unexpected situations that offer an opportunity for the gospel or ministering to somebody. So I really firmly believe it actually ties back to that time of prayer. Yeah, I think that's so good. And would that become our prayer? Lord, teach us how to pray. And like I said before, you know, most of us, I would say that most of you out there listening, that you want to learn how to pray. And I want to say too, if your prayer life right now, if it is lifeless and if it is boring you and you're not leaving refreshed, you are not doing it right. You guys, it is such a privilege that we can speak to the God of the universe. And when we truly understand that privilege and we understand its eternal purpose, its power and the honor and awe it is your prayer life, it will never be the same. I'm telling you guys, my prayer life, it goes, it's a prayer life. You know, it has its ups and downs. Some mornings I wake up and, you know, me and the Lord are so close. It's so good. And other times, you know, it is just, I wake up and maybe I don't feel as much or, um, yeah. And so I encourage you to keep going because it is, like I said, it's a life. It's vibrant and joyful and it is life-giving and but many of you many of us would say that their prayer life is lifeless typically it's praying out of obligation and so we tell ourselves you know it's the thing that Christians are supposed to do or the Bible tells us to pray or the pastor wants us to pray and that might be your motivation in praying but really, if that's your motivation, then you're missing the whole point on the joys of communicating with the one who loves us and the one who wants to share his love for us and his heart for us in the world. And so you can even relate this to your relationship with your spouse. I mean, I think, what if my husband only wanted to connect or be intimate with me out of a sense of duty? It would be so robotic and joyless. And that's how our relationship (laughs) would be, you know, but that's how we look at prayer a lot of times. It's just a duty to, to, to fulfill. And so, um, you know, we are meant to make time to, for prayer. And, and that's how we are to develop and deepen our relationship with him. And like I said, it's a privilege to get to know him. And God wants us to know. God wants to know us and we are to know him. And one of the ways that we do that is through prayer. That is such a great point, Mallory. You know, 
we'll never understand prayer, I think, until we understand this key foundational truth. And I believe all prayer is built upon this truth, that it's not just for my good that God wants me to pray, but the true meaning of prayer is for the delight of the Lord, as well as for my needs. You know, it is called one of our spiritual acts of service unto him. So again, prayer is not just for Carol. It is for the delight of the Lord. He, Like you had said, he wants to be with us. He wants to commune with us. We are not just to go to God for our need, but we also need to see his need. And I know that might sound strange to people, but I share this with people all the time. Ask yourself, what is on God's heart? Have do anybody, does anybody really do that very often? Lord, what is on your heart? How may I serve you today? And one of the things that the, that I discovered in prayer, God has feelings. I go into prayer and I ask him, what is on your heart today, Father? And then I wait. And in the waiting, a couple of different things might happen. I either have an overwhelming sense of grief over something. I can have an overwhelming sense of joy. Or I can have a knowing, a sense of what I'm to be praying for. Or for me, because I'm a very visual, vivid person, I can see an image in my mind for a second, like an image will flash through. It's, it's strange. And, um, and, but that's how God communicates to me. But when we get before him, we have to be listening too. it can't just be about a whole list of our needs. And when I mentioned the, the picture that comes in, one example of that, that happened to me one time. I was in a prayer time years back and I kept getting a picture of these minors, these uh, like a two or three particular faces and these minors faces. I didn't know where they were. I didn't know anything. But then as I kept praying, I kept having a sense that it was somewhere in a different part of the world. Well, two days later, the news drops. The minors are trapped in China in some collapsed mine. And so... I ended up praying for minors the two days before for about 30 minutes, praying quite, waiting on the Lord to know what to pray and then praying into the whole situation and here and whether or not it was those minors in China, it could have been somewhere else, but either way, it was very validating that I heard the Lord right. Mm -hmm. And I think today, Mallory, and you probably agree with this too, because we both are prayers, Mm -hmm. um, we tend to be a little self-centered in our prayers, whether it's knowingly or unknowingly. I don't think we go into prayers necessarily like that. But, you know, we want to unburden our hearts or our troubles or our sorrows. We want to get a supply of strength so we can go into the next battle. And that's all great. And that's all scriptural. And it works. We're invited to come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain help in time of need. And I know that that word boldly means just speak plainly to me. And so I do. I go boldly into his throne of grace and speak very plainly to the Lord. But we need to know what's on his heart too. And what grieves him? And who or what or where may I direct my prayers? You know, why else would God tie or tether himself to the process or discipline of prayer? It's for us to unburden ourselves, yes, but he seeks that fellowship, that intimacy with us. And when we come into his presence, and for me, I go into my bedroom behind the door, and it says to do that in Matthew, he's waiting for us. He's waiting for me. I cannot explain it, but when I shut my bedroom door for my prayer time, and everybody knows that's where I pray, I there I feel his presence instantaneously. It's as if he's been waiting for me. 
we have cultivated a dialogue over the year, a connection like nothing else. So, yeah, I love that picture, Carol. I think for everybody listening and me, I'm like, man, God is, I just love that picture. God is so good. And just that of his heart that he's waiting for us. Um, but to move on, you know, it's important to remember that most everybody prays, all religions pray. It's part of being religious. But what makes Christian prayers different? Right away, we know it's obvious that we're praying to our Father. Jesus says when you pray Abba, which is the old Hebrew word for father or the term of a young child, you would say Daddy. And so that's how we were to approach him is as a child with the faith of a child. And so prayer is a child's request, not the wind, not to the winds, not to the world, but to a father. And yet all at the same time, we're praying to an, the almighty God himself, the one who created all things and what an amazing privilege that is. And that's what makes Christian prayer so different right from the start, because you're not just saying, oh God, to an unknown, unreliable source, but we're calling out to our father. It's a relationship because we're part, you're part of a family. And I liked what Carol said is, intimacy. I don't hear that in any other religion. Mm-hmm. Prayer is the, real, is the very heart of worship to the Father. It's the thing of the heart, not of schools. It's the contact of a living soul with God. It fills man's emptiness with God's fullness, and it's the very thing that links us with the heavenlies. Wow. Yeah. I love that too. Um, you know, I think because when we come to him as a child or with the faith of a child, you know, we pray without doubt and children, providing they had a good father, as an example, trust their father or daddies to hear them and respond to them with compassion and care. And I love what it says in the, in the gospel of Mark chapter 11, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe, that's the key word, that you have received it and it will be yours. Or when James is talking about, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him, but let him ask in faith without doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind so have faith if you ask for bread your father's not going to give you a stone but also know that a good father will not just give his child anything he wants even if it's not good for him our father is going to grant us the things that are according to his will when he says ask and i will give it to you he's talking about what is in his will and what is his will his word He will always answer our prayers. Sometimes the answer is a yes, and sometimes it is a no. And if your answer is a no, that's still an answered prayer. But he's going to never leave you hanging. And yes, I understand out there that there are prayers for healing and jobs and marriages and big, huge things. And sometimes we ask ourselves, well, at least, you know, I know a lot of people I talk to have asked themselves, why isn't he healing me? Why isn't he helping me? Friends, I live with back pain. I've had horrible back pain for 25 years. And some days is so bad. And I've been praying for years in faith. And although I'm not healed yet, through it, he's taught me an utter dependence on him. You know, Paul even says that in his own suffering, it's when he's suffering, Christ's power rests on him. He gives us the ability to endure and overcome. And it's not that he doesn't want to heal me. I don't understand everything this side of heaven. And sometimes I think we have to lay down our need to understand everything. But in the waiting, I trust in him. And so 
I know that he is giving me the ability to continue to endure because as it is written, it says, in him I live and move and have my being. Would I be as dependent on him or had some of the moments I've had with him over the years without it? You know, I'm not sure. And I have one of my older sisters suffers with a lung issue. And every day she wakes up and thanks the Lord that she is healed. And she's not healed, but she has faith. And even though she hasn't answered, seen the answered prayer yet. So again, for me, it's more about the relationship than it is the request. And it already says in scripture, he already knows what you need before you even ask. And I even love how Psalm 139 will say, you know, before a word is even spoken on my tongue, you, O Lord, know it all together. And so every day that I draw near to him, he draws near to me. And I think that's something that I just want to add for a second, Mallory. It's a sacrifice. It's one of our spiritual sacrifices that we give the Lord is the sacrifice of prayer. And that word sacrifice actually is a Hebrew word that means draw near. So when they did Mm -hmm. the sacrifices in the Old Testament, it was to draw near to God. When we're doing a sacrifice of prayer, it's to draw near. And there's a great quote out there. I used to have it in my kitchen before I redid my kitchen, but it said, he who kneels before God can stand before anyone. And that's how I feel. And I think that's what happens to us. We become empowered when you're in prayer. You remove all fear of people and other things, and it is all about him. And so the pressing in has grown my fear of the Lord and removed any fear of man. And one of the reasons I think you had mentioned prayer being difficult, Mallory, I think the reason too it's so difficult is because we're in the middle of a battlefield Mm -hmm. and people don't think of it like that. You are generating, when you start praying, friends, you're generating an active response in an unseen realm. And believe me, I have, as Mallory too, we have done some serious spiritual warfare praying because you're praying against as well as two and four. Let me say that again. You're usually praying against something, even if you don't realize it, you're praying to the father and you're praying for something. You're praying against the devil. And that says that in Ephesians six, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You're not wrestling against your neighbor or your sister or your father or the politician down the street. You're wrestling against spiritual forces you can't even see. And so believe me, if the devil can stop you from praying, he will. Even if you plan time to pray in the morning, he's going to have your teapot go off or you're going to, a text is going to come in or the dog is going to start barking. So you're going to get distracted because you're calling on the God of heaven to respond to a situation on earth. And he's going to command his angel armies accordingly. Trust me, friends, you are up against principalities and powers in heavenly places. You are really battling to get through to your father who's waiting to hear his children talk to him. From the very first day that you mention a prayer or speak a prayer out, the Lord, that prayer is on its way to the Lord. And it says that in Daniel chapter 10. Remember, Daniel's praying. And then all of a sudden, he receives a response from an angel, but it's 21 days later, and the angel is like, look, I heard your prayer from the very first moment you prayed it, but I came up against the prince of Persia and could not even deliver, and I had to call on the archangel Michael to help me. What's he talking about? He's talking about those principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Trust me, friends, the prince of Persia is a principality. 
Every nation has a principality over it. And here Daniel is a simple person like you and me praying a prayer and and a response is trying to come from heaven, but the principality in that particular nation was trying to hinder it. And so prayer is powerful. We are unaware of the violent atmosphere our prayers and the responses have to travel through. That's why prayer is not a one and done thing. We have to keep at it. Yeah, I love that story in Daniel. I actually just was doing a study through it, a deep dive in it. And I love that, that the moment that you say your prayer to heaven, angels are warring. And I think that really encourages us to persevere in prayer. And I definitely can be somebody who, if I don't see results quickly, I can easily give up. I can easily grow tired and weary would anybody else say that out there mm-hmm. with me, listeners? Yeah. You know, and God's timing he is it's not always our timing. And like what Carol was saying with her back, God is growing something in her during that time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And there are things that I've prayed for years that I'm finally now seeing the fruition of. Like I said, we can just get tired and weary and, and give up. But I'm like, man, God, I'm so grateful that you kept telling me to keep praying for these things um, because otherwise I wouldn't have seen the answer. And so when you pray, just know that something is happening in the spiritual realms. But Carol, you talked about distraction and I want to hit on that point real quick because God years ago in prayer, um, uh, one of my biggest struggles is distraction. And I think as a millennial and so many people deal with this, you guys, this is such a serious enemy of your soul. One time I was in in prayer and God gave me this picture and it was of me with a little like, um, cat thing in front of my face. And I was just like chasing it because it's this like shiny thing that's in front of my face. And it kept going somewhere and I just kept falling and falling. And instantly I fell off a cliff and the Lord said so clearly in that moment, distraction is death. It will lead to death. And what does that mean? Death of it is leading me down the path of destruction. And so, like you said, that the teapot goes off and different things happen like that. And so it might just seem, oh, it's just the teapot or, oh, I just have to send this really quick text. Mm -hmm. But you guys, it is the enemy. Mm -hmm. Not always, but do not let that place in your heart. Mm -hmm. Keep going to God in prayer because distraction will get you off the path to an intimate relationship with God. Yeah. And so it's easy to associate intimacy with God and also to be casual with him. Um, however, we cannot approach the Lord casually. I see this um, really has just, yeah, like I said, just we can't associate those two. Um, what am I trying to say? Just we cannot be casual with the Lord. And so when we open up our mouths to utter any prayer at any time, we are addressing the King of Kings. We are addressing the Lord of Lords. We are addressing His majesty. We must reflect and consider our position as the created being approaching our creator. And so some of us give more honor and respect to bosses and friends, influencers, politicians. And then when it's time for God, we approach him so casually and we also have a time limit for him. (laughs) That's true. And so we see in the Our Father prayer when when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, to start out with, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. So this is what we were talking about before. This is Jesus showing us how to pray. And this shows us that God is our Father, 
but he is up in heaven. He is the holy one that we are to have awe and reverence for. And so, yeah. Those are great takeaways. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe pause here, Mallory, for just a second and get practical with everybody and just give them some ideas on, you know, creating that atmosphere of prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we actually have an episode coming up for you guys next. So do not miss that about practicals. But just right now to, um, to add to this one, one is make time, put it in your calendar and do not miss that appointment with him. Two is get alone. Like Carol said, she closes her door. Um, unfortunately, I don't have that luxury right now <laughs> in my time. Um, I try to get up before my girls, but I do. So I try to set my alarm to get up before them. Um, the next one is turn off your phone. Turn, for me, I turn on airplane mode because I do sometimes like instrumental music on on um, in the background. So I like to use my phone, but I turn on airplane so I'm not getting any distractions and I can't do a quick scroll, put it on do not disturb, or you or if you want to leave in another room, get quiet. You know, and this might take several minutes, but just sit before him and picture his grandeur, his holiness, and humble yourself before him. And then like we were talking about, just open up in childlike faith and maybe start by saying, Father, and just sit on that. And then just talk with him. And then take time to listen and ask him what's on his heart. And this might help too, but if you have a journal or a notepad, maybe write down your experience in that time of prayer. What were you feeling during that time of prayer? What was something that God revealed to you? Yeah, those are great. You know, I I am so um, burdened with, and I know you are too, with just trying to ignite this passion of prayer in people because Folks, we are living in an unprecedented time in history. And I know I keep beating a dead horse in our podcast about this, but maybe I need to. But America is crumbling from within. And people are looking into all kinds of other solutions except prayer. Yes, there's great prayer initiatives popping up in different places. I'm part of some of those. But what I'm talking about is something altogether different. You know, maybe churches need to teach their congregations how to pray. Mm -hmm. And then after, they need to help them actually do it and not just teach it, but let's actually put it into practice. I mean, maybe we forego sermons for a while and just enter the Mm -hmm. building, fall on our faces in prayer, and literally cry out for God's mercy. See, my background is in all of this. And I've got experience working within the church, outside of the church, in nonprofits, and with different ministries with prayer. And I can tell you from experience, friends, prayer is the least attended event in church and in Christian circles. And I know that from experience. You can invite a well-known speaker to a church. Seats are full. A worship artist schedules an event. Tickets are sold out. Trying to get people to come to the state capitol once a year for prayer as our state passes abominable laws? Forget about it. It's too inconvenient. And people just keep giving every excuse of why they don't have time. And you know what? It makes me think of the early church. They literally turned the world upside down because they prayed. Mm -hmm. They fasted. They learned the scriptures. And they went out in boldness and courage. But everything, everything started with prayer. They were a praying people. Today it's a love fest. People talk about revival coming. Everybody wants revival. Well, who wouldn't want revival? I want revival. But friends, revival won't come until the church learns how to cry out for him. 
The rival isn't going to come until we grieve the sins of the nation and even our own hidden, unconfessed sins. Everyone would love to see and experience God's presence, believe me, but most of us are not willing to pay the price for it. Mm. And people, I tell you, once they understood how far-reaching prayer is, everything would change because our Father does respond to our prayers and prayer can literally move mountains and move this nation in a completely different and better direction. And for us not to be praying, I'm sorry, it's to open the door to Satan, which is what we've done. Prayer is the way we get God's aid, the channel through which all the good flows from God to man. And you can see what our own pride has done. We've allowed the enemy in. We've allowed the enemy to deceive the minds of people, convincing our nation into removing prayer from the places where our laws are birthed and passed. Or can, you know, prayer is no longer, it's even removed from where our children are educated. It's removed from the workplace. I mean, are we awake yet? Can we not see this? Am I the only one that... I think, like, again, it goes back to our very first podcast. I have this sense of urgency. Friends, Satan knows we're a prayerless society. And and believe me, a prayerless society is going to be, uh, have evidence of his work all over it. Because prayer is the only instrument, one of the main instruments by which all of our foes are, are overcome. Praying, especially in the name of the one who actually triumphed over death, who actually triumphed over Satan, in the name of Jesus. And when we learn how to be a people of prayer, unified, corporate, and personal, we could turn this nation upside down for Christ, just like the early church did. And they were simple people. Yeah, You don't have to be super educated in seminary or somewhere to pray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point. I love you getting so fired up about this. I'm like, I'm with you too. <laughs> yeah, and we need to learn how to pray for each other as well. And the first letter in the church in Thessalonia tells us that Paul and others, they were constantly messaging them or mentioning them, sorry, in yeah. their prayers. They wanted them to remain steadfast in their hope and their and in, in their faith in Jesus. And they were being afflicted, slandered, and they were called evildoers. They wanted to continue in the ways of Jesus, even to these enemies, but have the courage and the boldness to share the gospel, even in those situations. So you guys, let's pray for each other, the global body of Christ. Let's pray for the courage. Let's pray for the boldness to stand in the face of great opposition that is here and more to come and still share the gospel. And one more thing too, Carol, you mentioned this, um, but I've just like podcasts or or not, but like so many teachings and stuff too. And I mentioned this in the first episode, but our heart behind this is to give you your own oil. If you want to get your own oil, go before the Lord. That story that Carol told was amazing about the miners in China. And, but she would not have gotten that if she didn't go before the Lord. So get before the Lord, get your own oil and just encourage you guys in that. Is there anything else you wanted to share, Carol? No, I think you nailed it. Just start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you guys, thanks again for joining us today. And we are going to have another episode on prayer, like I said earlier, with the practicals. So keep an eye out on that. But if you have any questions or comments for us, or you just want to share something with us, uh, you can email us at prepare the way at jcmcolorado.com or you can visit us at jeremiahscall.org. Take care. Bye-bye.